Hello, and welcome to this program. The music you've just been listening to is an excerpt from a quartet I've written called the Shakespeare Quartet, played by the well-known Fidelio Quartet. How did you listen to this music? I, I ask you because uh, I got a letter from a friend of mine who analyzed it musical and musically in terms of musical tradition and so on. But uh, did you listen that way or did you listen with your heart? You see, music is a language, but its language is different from the language of speech. It's not a left brain activity, it's a right brain activity. And we can't be complete human beings until we bring in both sides of our nature, the head and the heart. The music that you hear, most people think of that music as just entertainment. But in fact, it says something to you. It does something to you. Have you ever noticed yourself walking down a shopping mall, listening to the music, or probably not even listening to it, and yet suddenly catching yourself walking in step to the beat of the music? It's affecting your inner state of awareness, your consciousness, without your even realizing it. We subject ourselves to countless influences in life. Some of them are beneficial, some of them are harmful. The uh, electrical magnet, electromagnetism that we get passing under high, uh, high tension wires, the influence of electricity even in the walls of your home is not particularly good. It's something we can't do anything about, but it's there. And in fact, it's harmful to the body in many ways. There are good influences that you get from being close to water, feeling the negative ions that you inhale when the, when the uh, waves crash upon the beach and produce those ions. In many ways, we are influenced. We're not, uh, we're not, uh, John Donne said, no man is an island. And that's true on many, many different levels. We're a part of the world in which we live. But the most important influence that we receive in our psyche, you might say, is the influence of music. Music is a means of conveying feelings of courage, of despair, of discouragement, of hope, of joy, of misery. A very interesting fact is that that piece of music, that song that was written, uh, Gloomy Sunday, it was very popular many years ago, and it was played on the uh, over the radio on many stations. And then finally, it was banned because many people were committing suicide after hearing that music. It had that kind of influence on them. It's very important that we surround ourselves by music that is uplifting. And because the human mind can create tastes that are very far from our actual nature, we can come to like things that are harmful to us. Um, I remember when that movie came out, The Razor's Edge, many years ago in the 40s, and there was that song there, la, 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 la. It had a very hypnotic, very powerful effect. I was extremely drawn to it because of that power until I began to notice that it was making me feel very depressed. And then I decided, well, I didn't want to be depressed, and so I wasn't going to listen to that one anymore. Well, a lot of the music that we hear today 
We like because we've conditioned our minds to like it. We like it without being clear in our minds as to why we like it. We don't realize that it's depressing us, it's just influencing us, and so we feel drawn. But the influence may be a harmful one to us. And so it's an interesting thing to look to uh, other, you might say, an unbiased jury. In this case, I'm talking of plants. If you uh, find it amusing to think of plants as a jury, just consider these facts. That plants have been subjected to different kinds of music and have actually been seen to respond. They have played music to uh, whole fields of growing rice and so on and found that the growth became much more. They were responding positively to the music. Now the interesting thing is that some music turns plants off. They have put a loudspeaker in a box where plants have been growing and they've played um, classical music to the plants and the plants uh, grow out tendrils as if to embrace the loudspeaker. Then they've played rock music and the amusing uh, effect has been that the plants have put out tendrils as if to try to grow away from the loudspeaker, as if trying to escape that music. Rock music's very popular today and people will say, well, it's all a matter of taste, I like it. What do you like it for? I have to say that I suspect that it's because it reinforces things in yourself that, that uh, are giving you states of consciousness you don't really want. They reinforce egotism, self affirmation in a negative, imposing way, uh, ne nervousness, restlessness, dissatisfaction with where we are, anger with the world, so many different things. Um, they found that plants generally respond best to waltz music, which is interesting because it's very light and cheerful. A lot of classical music, in fact, is not all that cheerful. Somebody did a very interesting survey. I'm afraid I don't have the scientific knowledge to understand what it's all about, but at least I can quote the results. What he did was break plants, break DNA molecules down into their vibration on a musical level and discovered that actually different DNA molecules have a kind of melody. And then he, he, he compared the melody of the successive uh, notes of these things. You see these molecules are all in a string they, they, the different genes are all in a string um, uh, that he was able to assign notes to. He found that the DNA molecule for Chopin's funeral march was surprising, the DNA pattern, I should say, for, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, let me put this correctly, the musical pattern of the Chopin's funeral march was very close to the DNA pattern for cancer. It had a, 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 how that could be. And he took cheerful music and found that it was very close to the DNA pattern for uh, beautiful plants and flowers and so on. He found a very great correlation between the DNA molecules of healthy cells in the body and healthy sounding music and unhealthy cells and unhealthy music. You see, when we listen to music, we're really listening to something that vibrates 
with our entire being. You could use music quite literally as a means of curing, to play beautiful music, to play music that's satisfying. Why is certain music so accepted down through the ages? Think of that wonderful melody from Bach's St. Matthew Passion. It makes all your molecules, as it were, your whole being seem to rise up in an affirmation, yes, this is what I really want. And other music just makes you say, okay, I'm going to get mine in this world like this. Well, what do you want in your life? If you want harmony, if you want peace, if you want beauty, if you want joy, if you want to be happy, if you don't like being nervous, then listen to a kind of music that will help to give you that happiness. It's a mistake to analyze music too much just with the mind. One has to do that. But as I listen to music, I often find that composers are writing complex patterns just to show off that they can do it. I think of Schubert in his music. His songs, for example, go through all kinds of chord I mean, uh, key changes, modulating from one key to the next, to the next, to the next, totally unnecessarily, if you think of the feeling of the song. And I can't help thinking that he got criticism from the critics that his music was too childlike and he wanted to show that he, he could be sophisticated too. And of course he was, he could do it if he wanted to, but it took him a little bit away from the beautiful childlike simplicity that was the essence of his music. So music is a way of speaking to the heart. Whatever you do, in a way, should be musical. How can it be musical? You may not have even a capacity to sing in tune, but music is rhythm. Movement is a part of rhythm, and your movements should be, should be harmonious, should be gracious, should be balanced, so that you don't just sort of sit down in a chair like this. You sit quietly, you sit in control, you move yourself with uh, calm gestures. All of this is a part of music. It's a part of that aspect of ourselves that music expresses. The tone of your voice. One thing I've always been sort of sad by in uh, American English, much more than English English, is the monotonous quality of it. In typical American speech, people will talk like this, and it's just a little bit up, a little bit down, but mostly just going like that. You listen to some languages like... Uh, well, even English English, they, they talk with much more melody. But listen to Italian, for example. It's got so much melody in it. Sono andato ieri, e ho vissuto tante belle cose. And so they talk like this in sort of a sing-song. That's why so much music has come out of Italy, and why not all that much beautiful music seems to be coming out now. Certainly not in the classical field, at least in my opinion. Some really lovely melodies in, in uh, popular music, Cole Porter and so on, they wrote some lovely things, but we don't think too much of beauty nowadays, and yet surely we want it. The way that you speak, the tone of your voice, and a very interesting thing that I read in a book by Dale Carnegie that he wrote many years ago on public speaking. He suggested this particularly to men because I suppose only men can talk falsetto, but perhaps women can 
uh, sort of fake it. The thing is, he said that before giving a lecture, try talking falsetto. He's found it a very good technique for putting color into the voice. And there's nothing more monotonous than hearing a public speaker ra ro drone on for an hour, just all in the same tone, sort of dropping a little bit at the end of each sentence and then starting again on the same level, talking the same way. We need to get color into our rhythms, color into, our, uh, into the, the patterns of our voice. And that, in fact, is one of the important things of song. A song should express the melody of the words. Every word has a melody of, so of a sort, just like those DNA molecules. The vibrations of the heart automatically produce a kind of melody. Um, I've written a lot of music and I discovered that uh, the notes have to go a certain way in order to underscore the particular words that they're expressing. Many years ago, and in fact that's the genesis of my uh, quartet, Shakespeare Quartet, I was feeling a bit frustrated because I wrote a lot of songs, but whereas the melody came very easily, it took a lot of work to write the words, making them rhyme, making uh, each line say something as briefly as possible, and yet clearly making it somehow musical words rather than just um, declaratory words, philosophical words, whatever. And so I turned to Shakespeare's lyrics to write uh, them, write songs for them. And I figured, well, let him do the work on the words and I'll just let the melodies come. Well, I discovered to my great delight that the words were so melodious in themselves that they wrote the melodies for me. All I had to do was listen to the words as they spoke themselves and then the melody was there. For instance, there's that, that uh, lovely one, Who is Sylvia? That's uh, a part of this quartet that uh, we just played a selection from. Who is Sylvia? What is she? That all our swains commend her. Holy, fair, and wise is she. The heaven such grace did lend her. That admired she might be. That admired she might be. Actually, Shakespeare wrote that she might admired be, but I felt to change that around just for the sake of the music on the last line. Anyway, who is Sylvia? The words almost force it. Who is an important question. Is isn't all that important. Sylvia is more important than who. What is she is even more important. And so you go up on the important words, down on the unimportant words. It just happens naturally. You don't have to analyze it and make it happen. Who is Sylvia? What is she? See, coming down on she gives it more emphasis. That all our, all our swains, that means you, you give emphasis to all. All our swains commend her. You see, the words just make that melody happen. Who is Sylvia? What is she? That all our swains commend her. Holy, fair, and wise is she. The heaven such grace did lend her, that she might admired be, that she might admired be. It just comes that way, and that's how our 
speech should be. That's how our listening to music should be. That's how our producing of music should be. We should make it a part of life. We're living in an age that's too much rational. We believe that we can understand nature if we can analyze it enough. I've often said that a person could go to art school and learn all there is to know about how to produce a good painting. Learn all the traditions, all the ways of mixing pigment, balancing colors, symmetry, uh, where to put the highlight in a picture, where to put the highlights, how to centralize it, etc., etc., etc. Does anybody after coming out of those schools know how to paint well just for what he learned? Most people are not good artists. Some will be good artists. And those who are good artists will, would probably have been good artists in spite of what they learned. Somebody approached Mozart once and asked him how to write a symphony. Mozart replied, well, you should really begin with uh, smaller works first. A symphony is very complex. It's a big job. So start with songs, with simple little pieces, and gradually work up. And after a few years, you, you will perhaps be able to write a symphony. This person said, but you began writing symphonies when you were very young. Mozart answered, yes, but I didn't ask anybody how to do it. And so we think that if we analyze something well enough, we'll understand it. You could analyze all the movements, all the muscles that you have to tense, all the particular angles you have to turn your arm and so on to understand clearly how to put a piece of food into your mouth with a fork. I think you'd just get so hopelessly confused by all that, you wouldn't be able to do it. Because there's another aspect to understanding, and that is movement, rhythm, melody, heart. We've got to learn in this excessively rationalistic age to bring the heart into our understanding. You don't understand people by just analyzing them. You understand them with compassion. You understand them if you can feel for them. We need to bring heart into our total expression of who we are and how we look at things. I think that's why women are coming so much to the fore in this age, because they work more naturally from the heart, although they too have had imposed on them this thought, we've got to be reasonable, we've got to use logic all the time. Let's be more balanced in our living. Music, the right kind of music, that which uplifts the heart's feelings, that which harmonizes our molecules even in our bodies, this, this can help us more than any philosophy to be what we really aspire to be in our lives.